You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce and regional leader in higher education, Mount Wachusett Community College. The business world is more competitive than ever, and running a business has never been more challenging. The North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce is here to help with trusted resources, a strong business network, and a support system to keep your business and North Central Massachusetts moving forward. We invite you to join the nationally recognized North Central Massachusetts Chamber today. Call 978-353-7600 or visit northcentralmass.com. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon with Cat Deal from the North Central Massachusetts Chamber continuing our On the Road series. We're over at 365 Lindell Avenue in Lemonster at the Boys and Girls Club of Fitchburg and Lemonster. And Cat, who is sitting across from us today? Well, today is our last installment of the International Women's Month. And today we are joined with Elizabeth Coveney, the CEO of Boys and Girls Club of Lemonster and Fitchburg. Elizabeth, thank you for welcoming us into the Boys and Girls Club today. Absolutely. Our pleasure. We love guests and we love you all. I'm not going to lie. It's amazing hearing the kids in the background and all of the activity going on. And it really makes you feel like there's so much going on here today. And uh, so we just appreciate you carving out some time for us. You might regret those words when you hear them running behind you, but yes. <laughs> so this site actually has an interesting history because I know this used to be a school beforehand and the Boys and Girls Club was actually in downtown Lemonster um, for a little while in a much smaller operation. How long now have you been in this location? We've been here since 2001. And it, this used to be the Julie Country Day School. Yeah. And then prior to my uh, tenure here, they um, the Boys and Girls Club started as an adjunct of the Worcester Club. And then they moved into um, where you had said, and then this property became available. So the trust bought this and renovated it completely. And it's amazing. As Kat and I were walking through, you see so many different areas that kind of really cater to any interests the kids would have. But I want to start a little bit with your background, because you were not always in the nonprofit business. Uh, you started off actually working for one of the biggest, if not the largest companies in the world. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal history and how you used to work for Coca-Cola? Sure, yes. Um, so fresh out of college, uh, I was supposed to be a television announcer. I was going to be the next Katie Couric. I was in organizational communication and in college, and uh, I was destined to be this television broadcaster. And when I started studying it, it just was not for me. It was always the plight of someone, you know, how are you feeling when your house is burning? How are you mm -hmm. feeling? You know, it was just too negative. Uh, so I decided um, to go into a much happier field, which is soda. Yes. And <laughs> um, I had applied to Coca-Cola and that's where my career began. So I started on the Jersey Shore peddling Coca-Cola um, along the Jersey Shore. It was a lot of fun. And my career just blossomed from there. So I spent 29 years in and out of the company doing a variety of roles. What was your last role with Coca-Cola? My last role was I was vice president of national accounts for convenience um, retail and all of the large stores. So Every time you went into a, um, a Walmart, a Target, a, um, a Hannaford's, wherever they had um, a food service operation, any convenience store. So it was a real, my team was all over the U.S., a great um, organization to work for, a great team that I had. 
Um, but a lot of travel, a lot of travel. And, and it's amazing because everybody knows the name brand. Everybody knows where it is. So, you know, there's always a sort of preconception about what a company might be like. And you were doing this in a time when women were not excelling in the boardroom necessarily. Can you talk a little about the culture that was going on when you were there in Coca-Cola? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think Coke um, really made some strides um, along diversity and inclusion, but it was an effort. And um, oftentimes you would look around a room and you would be the only female most of the time. And not only was it the culture of the organization I was um, honored to be a part of, it was my client base too. So I had the privilege of leading um, a variety of large-scale clients for Coke. And everywhere you looked, um, you were you know, singularly one of the highest-ranking females. And so you appreciate that, and you leverage it, and you honor it, because um, they're all really good ways to be able to make sure your voice is heard. That's a great. I love that turn of phrase. I love that you leverage it. Mm-hmm. And and now you are sitting here at one of the largest nonprofits in America. Um, everyone has a Boys and Girls Club somewhere near them. Can you talk a little bit about the transition into the nonprofit world? Sure. Yes. I think um, I'm one of those pandemic babies <laughs> in the sense that I was traveling a lot. When the world shut down, I welcomed home six of my children We had a lot of family time, and I finally realized, wow, this is what it's like to not be on the road Monday through Friday and to really reconnect. And so it was important for me to think about how could I use my business skills, but with a purpose-driven, authentic place. So I started looking in the not-for-profit space, um, as well as healthcare, different, just wholly different avenues. And the Boys and Girls Club of America was conducting a search and they were pretty diligent about finding me and I went through a very rigorous uh, interview process and what I was able to really define during the interview process and convince the um, the hiring team <laughs> is that the business acumen in a nonprofit world is a good thing because you really are the finance person, the operations, the salesperson, the marketing, uh, you're doing everything and so I had done all that in a Fortune 50 company. And so it was such a great parlay of my skills, but for something so much more meaningful. And so that's the big difference. And for you, what was it that really drew you to the Boys and Girls Club when this position came up and made you want to go through that rigorous process to be interviewed and and to start working here? Well, I've always been a volunteer and I've been very focused on children and food insecurity. So I've worked with DCF and foster boards. I've worked with all sorts of um, food concerns, food banks, growing places, mustard seed, Abby's Place. I mean, it just the list goes on because I'm a ardent volunteer. I think it's just so important to give back. And, you know, we're privileged and we're blessed. And it's really nice to be able to, to put some of that back into the society, into our community. So what struck me is their strong Boys and Girls Club of America infrastructure And the fact that this is an organization that is so committed to children. And so they they really have a great framework for success. And I felt really strongly about how I could use my skills for something that's super meaningful because I I love kids. The idea that you wanted to take so much that you learned from the business world, from the private sector, and to put it into, you know, a, a nonprofit is... One of the nicest stories, and I heard you tell this story at our Women's Leadership Luncheon, and you were speaking about 
the when you were home with everyone and why you were trying to make this decision and realizing how important it was to be with your family. Um, and now you've brought that to the Boys and Girls Club. Can you talk about some of the things that you, some of the big lessons that you learned at Coke that you brought here that were maybe not necessarily the norm that people would think for a not-for-profit? Yeah, um, definitely. I think I always say curiosity. Curiosity to me is one of the greatest um, skills that we can bring one of the biggest attributes. So um, how things, how do we do things here? What is, you know, why, the why? Um, as I always say to my team, no one can take away your why. So why you're here, why we're all here, that's your personal vision and mission. So I think curiosity is important. The the right to iterate, you know, we can always do things better. And so this process of iteration to me is I think fundamental to any organization, whether it's for-profit, not-for-profit, educate any sector, mm-hmm. is that we can always get better. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is you just have to build the right team because you cannot do it alone. And so um, as you hear all the voices in the background, <laughs> you, can, um, you can understand that it does take a team. And so I am finally, this week or next week, I will be fully staffed, which is a wonderful thing 14 months into the role. So um, I think people is just a really big part of it. When you talk about being fully staffed and about the different services, and obviously we hear a a lot of children here. (laughs) I see you've got a pretty good attendance here. Can you tell us a little bit more about the services that the Boys and Girls Club provides here for the North Central Massachusetts region? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, So we are an after-school youth development program. Um, We serve eight-year-olds to 18-year-olds, and we have two separate sections. We have a junior's side and a teen side. So our focus is really um, on a couple things. First, it's really about character building. It's how do we bring kids out of isolation into socialization again? There's uh, probably seven schools that are represented here. And those seven schools, they're not in school together. So they come here for friends, for peer, for socialization. We also really want to lean heavily into academics. So we know that literacy is a major concern. And when we look at literacy and we think about grade level, reading and writing, and um, we want to make sure that we're enhancing that. And so we have what we call Power Hour, which is a homework room. We went just in the last couple of weeks, we went from 17 students to over 40. Oh my. Just so that these kids are signing contracts, homework contracts, where they're able to come in and have um, volunteers and our youth development professionals help them. Um, and then the third area is really exploration. So we do everything from martial arts to rock wall climbing to um, robotics to art to music. And so we have a, a variety of programs that really help build um, the curiosity and the character of our members. I think we need an adult boys and girls club. I just want to say <laughs> those are amazing programs. Right. We'll run it. I love it. <laughs> and when it comes to socialization, as you mentioned, getting the seven schools together, but also you've got these students who, you know, for almost two years or so, depending on where they were, dealt with a lot of isolation and a lot of remote learning. Has that created additional challenges when it comes to socialization or changed the way that you approach uh, socialization and the development of these students, whether they're on the younger side of things or they're getting ready to graduate? Yeah, it's a great question, Travis. I will say we have learned a lot from um, coming out of the pandemic. And what we've learned the most is um, that mental health is a significant cause for concern. The isolation that we have witnessed um, resulted in, you know, everything from bullying to um, really only wanting to be on social media. So we've had to 
we have a strict uh, no phone policy. So, um, and we do run a formal program from four to five every day. We have a block that everyone is participating. So, even if you're not feeling art, you're in an art room, or you're you you don't want to play basketball, but you're in the gym and you're with people and you're socializing. So, it's had ch- its challenges because I think we just have to look at the world differently. We can't go back to pre-pandemic. We have to really accept and evolve where we are today. And so we're meeting the kids where they are and we're trying to bring programs that are significant and important. And when it comes to the different programming that's offered here, you mentioned uh, kind of a a cornucopia of things uh, a minute ago. How crucial is it that children get to explore these different avenues as they develop? Completely crucial. I would say that the traditional path, we're not really sure what that is now. So it's, it's a little bit different. And so if it was we're a STEAM club, so we always, we've always focused on science and technology, engineering, art, and math. But um, our workforce development program has, has taken a turn. It looks different. Our robotics program looks different. You know, so we, we used to do beekeeping. We used to do um, a variety of different programs, and it, they may or may not be relevant. So I think being agile being able to adapt to what the kids want and learning from surveys and from from outputs that we know we can at least measure. It's interesting. You were talking earlier about the fact that next week you'll be fully staffed, mm-hmm. which is amazing to hear. Um, and I'm just curious with all the staff that you bring on, and I'm sure that everyone brings their own sort of set of talents that they that they do. Does all of your staff participate in the programs with the kids? I would say most of the uh, the youth development professionals are our frontline staff. So they are involved day to day in the programming. We have a director of programs who does a lot of the curriculum. And so we have formal curriculum. We do have other leadership members who will pop in and out. I've actually even run a program, scary as that sounds. I'm (laughs) clearly not qualified, but we were short one day, I'm not going to lie. So it's very hands-on and you will see as you walk through the building uh, just how many people are here and connecting with the kid because beyond the programming, it's just so important to talk and to listen and to really be there because that they don't always get that in other aspects of their life. We're going to take a quick break on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, but we'll continue our conversation on the road at the Boys of Girls Club of Fitchburg and Lemonster at 365 Linda Lab in Lemonster with Elizabeth Coveney coming up in just a minute. Why should your business be a member of the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce? It's actually quite simple. The Chamber is dedicated to protecting and promoting the local business community. Our primary goals? To advance the region, help business owners network and grow, and to advocate on behalf of the business community. Joining the Chamber makes good business sense. We invite you to join the nationally recognized North Central Massachusetts Chamber today. Call 978-353-7600 or visit northcentralmass.com. Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Cond and Kat Deal from the North Central Massachusetts Chamber continue our On the Road series. We're chatting with Elizabeth Coveney, the CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Fitchburg and Lemonster. You also were mentioning some of the programs that you run, and one of the places that you mentioned have to be growing places, which I know um, sort of it meets at your backs at your backyard and also meets their backyard. Is that a program that has come back um, that you guys are working with them again since COVID subsided? So yes, we are working um, with Growing Places. They're a great partner for us. Not only do they have their beds, their um, garden beds, but we're also doing a hydrator program. So we um, have purchased a food hydrator. So we're working with them. They were able to secure a grant where we bought the equipment. We have a commercial kitchen. And so they're 
just a great partner and we're going to continue to do that. And we really believe there's a lot of runway there. So we want to focus on composting and food sustainability and being able to feed our community better. So we um, will continue to write grants. We'll continue to seek funding to support those efforts. And one thing I think people might not always realize is just how many barriers uh, the Boys and Girls Club works to address with kids, but also with families as a whole, with food insecurity. And you think of workforce challenges and providing an outlet and a place for kids to go while their parents are at work. How important is it to keep addressing those barriers and looking at new ways uh, to address some of the barriers that maybe aren't being touched on right now? Yeah, it's, it's critical. I mean, we not only is it food insecurity, we have homelessness, we have certainly abuse, we are mandated reporting, um, educated, all of our staff, they will be trauma informed. So it's not just one element, it's all of them. And then combined, it's transportation, you know, we're really trying to seek out new and exciting ways to bring kids in because they can't get home after. So I think we just have to continue to be mindful. I would say the biggest thing right now is the mental health crisis. So we're really trying to ensure that we're aware, um, that we're mindful of what they're experiencing. We have a full wellness center here. We have a social worker on staff, and we're going to continue to build out that program because we know it's important. That is important. It truly is. So you have uh, other entities like Growing Places. How else can other businesses and other groups in the area help and be involved in the Boys and Girls Club? Ah, thank you, Kat. I love that question. Uh, so we are huge benefactors of the goodness in this community, and we couldn't be more grateful for the contribution. So as an example, we have Home Depot is coming over and they're building us flower beds and they're bringing a whole crew of people. We've had people coming in here and washing our windows. We've had football teams, baseball teams. I mean, it's really remarkable. And so I would offer a couple things. Um, first and foremost, it's a great team building place. You will be energized when you leave here, I promise you. And so if you ever want to bring your team here, we'll buy the pizza. Let's go. We have lots to do. The second is just what is your passion? You know, if you're passionate about gardening, we have a greenhouse. If you're passionate about history, we can help kids with their homework. If you're passionate about music, we have a whole music room. So anything that you're passionate about, we are open to having you as a volunteer. And then the third area is really just the peer-to-peer -peer mentoring. You know, everyone needs just someone to listen to, to them. And, you know, we need hallway monitors or kitchen help any, anywhere. So we're always grateful for any support from um, volunteers. In addition to expanding your staff here and, and switching up some of the programming that you mentioned, I understand you're also doing more outreach in Gardner. Can you tell us about that recent um, expansion? Yeah, so Gardner, we were housed as a pilot project, and we were at the middle school library, which is not conducive to a Boys and Girls Club because you're really confined to one space. And as you see here, we have, you know, a tech lab, we have a gym, we have theater, you know, we have all a dance studio. So we, um, we were afforded an opportunity by the mayor and the city and the school administration to go into the Elm Street School. And I call it the lower level. Some would call it a basement, but I call it a lower level. So it certainly needed some help in terms of renovating it and getting it up to the standard of a Boys and Girls Club. What I will tell you is that it is incredible, the generosity of the Gardner community. And the Gardner Advisory Board members were instrumental in bringing it up to where you would be proud to bring your child to 
an after-school program named the Boys and Girls Club of Gardner. So we are there now. We're trying to figure out what does the future look like, and we're certainly wanting to grow in Gardner, and we know that there's a true need for the student population in Gardner to, to have an after-school opportunity. So what a great addition to the city of Gardner. You mentioned we're working with Coke. You're really used to dealing with traveling all over the country and, and working with staff all over the country. Does that help you kind of manage a, a second location like that where it's off-site from this main area? Yeah, I used to um, also have a career in advertising. So I had five different offices. And what occurred to me um, is that everyone was doing their own thing, but there's so much power in synergy. And so we have this halo of the Boys and Girls Club of America, but we also are doing some really great things here. So and we don't always have to recreate the wheel. We can duplicate some of the success factors. So what I found in my career is that it's really about communication. So what I did in my New York office is what I did in my Boston or my DC or my Minneapolis office. And it was just seamless. But if you don't bring people together and you work in silos, you won't be as powerful and you won't be as strong of a organization. So that's what I'm trying to bring to Gardner is some of the best practices we have here. And quite frankly, best practices from other boys and girls clubs. I'm very t- close with them. And I know that the young woman who is running the Gardner chapter was also a boys and girls club member. Yes. Yes, she yes was. we've had a couple. We have a, a couple of people on staff that um, have grown up in the system, our boys and girls club kids, and then they've become uh, staff members, which is really a beautiful story. What a great way for them to, you know, work their way through the program and for them to bring in such a wonderful perspective that the rest of us might not have or wouldn't have because we didn't use the program that way. So I I think that's just so special to have someone who's so inside track going and creating this whole new pilot program. Agreed. And so for listeners right now who want to get involved with some of the volunteering opportunities that you mentioned earlier or Maybe they have students themselves and they're looking for some way to get them engaged in the after school hours and make sure that they have access to some of the um, great programming that you have here. What's the best way for them to get involved and to find out more information? Yeah, so we have a very strong social media platform, but I recognize that not everyone is dialing into those channels. So, um, and I say that respectfully. We're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Uh, But we also have a really strong website. And so on our website, you can do everything from donate to volunteer to apply for a role here. So I would direct everyone to our website, www.bgcfl.org. And is there a phone number that they can call here? Yes, there is. 978-534-8358. Well, Elizabeth, we want to thank you so much for your time, uh, for talking about your career and talking about everything going on at the Boys and Girls Club of Fitchburg and Leominster, and also Gardner as well. And, and thank you for having such an impact on the community and finding a way to take your corporate career and use it in a way that's really helping North Central Massachusetts. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I'm honored that you thought of us. So please come back again. Absolutely. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.